Hello and welcome to Roll for Topic, a roundtable discussion about topics related to running role-playing games. I'm Chris Salzman. I'm Andy Rao. And this week we are joined by Tim Saucer. Hi everyone. Hey, thank you so much for coming on. Um, so Tim, uh, we, let's see, I know you sort of by reputation. So one of your players in your D&D games um, played in my long-running D&D game and uh, let's see, and Andy's played with him as well in a Blades in the Dark campaign. So we kind of like know of you a little bit. How long have you been a dungeon master? Sure, sure. Yeah, so um, I, I played uh, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons back in the 80s, or I guess it would have been late 80s, early 90s. Um, and then I played a little bit of Shadowrun when I, was, uh, when I was young and in the military. And then there was a long hiatus until now when my kids are a little bit older. We started playing Dungeons & Dragons, and I started up kids group campaign in my neighborhood and then i met our, our mutual friend at the bus stop actually oh nice and we started talking about dungeons and dragons and i had this intention of building a what i call mom squad so a mom centered uh D group and so we <laughs> so we actually created a group it was uh five women and then two of their husbands were allowed to join all female characters um set in a matriarchy and uh so that and that's been my kind of long-running group uh-huh. and now that's i have <laughs> It is. It's incredible fun. Uh, we actually played uh, earlier today. It was a lot of fun. And then I just started, based on your recommendation, I just started this uh, lunchtime group at mm-hmm. work. So we we are doing one hour uh, once a week sessions, and we just had our we had a session zero and a session one. So yeah, I've been so I've been DMing for a uh, little over a year. Okay, but you've been like you went all in. Sounds like you got you have three campaigns going. I have three campaigns going. Yes, one of 12 and 13 year olds, one of uh, well, let's say 40 plus moms. Yes, <laughs> and uh, one of and I specifically chose people for my work campaign. It's all people that have just graduated from college and are at their first job ever. None of them have worked a single day in our office. Okay, because they all started after the pandemic. Yeah. So it, as a as a means to try and pull them in and get help them to get to know each other and get to know. Mm-hmm. get to know me and, and get to know just people around work and have a bonding experience. So. Oh, that's a super good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So the campaign that I ran was in a co-working place. So everybody was sort of disconnected a bit, but I love that as a, like a, almost like an HR orientation thing. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious as you have, I mean, three, starting up three, three campaigns and with such different uh, player types, that's really interesting. Was it a pretty easy sell in all of those cases? Uh, did you just say, hey, I'm running D&D, and people joined up? Like, how did that go? Right. So I wanted to play D&D with the kids. Um, I asked one of my good friends at work if he would DM um, for us, and he said yes. So he and his two daughters, and then me and my two sons, we all got together, and I got to be a player, which was interesting. Um, but we weren't, uh, our schedules really had difficulty lining up. It sort of fell apart pretty quickly and my kids were enjoying it and they wanted to do more as with many things in my life it's centered around my kids so in order to give them this experience I said well what about you know we invite your best friend across the street and the two kids down uh, down the street so my two kids pair of twins down the street and a kid across the street and one of them said well I'm just gonna watch I'm not gonna pay attention I was like no no here's your character sheet you're all set (laughs) you're ready to go Um, and they get mad at me if I ever have to cancel a week you know mm-hmm. they that the kids group is guaranteed every week they are meeting you know so oh, um, I don't know if I answered your question but uh, so that's that one was an <laughs> it was a it was a little bit of a uh, they weren't uncertain 
sell. And then the mom squad, I was really nervous to ask them. Um, oh, why because, is that? well, a fear of rejection, uh, yeah, of right, course. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, and you know, so that I, I, I knew uh, our mutual friend and his wife. I'd spoken to them at at a community gathering that we have um, with this fall festival, and we were chatting about it. And they told me they were both interested. My wife was very uncertain, but said she was willing to give it a try. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I had a couple other ideas for people down the street, and I was like, well. I've never talked to them about Dungeons and Dragons. They, they might think it's nerdy. I, I mean, it, it is, but so am I, and so are they. So maybe it's okay. And I mustered up my courage and I went and asked them. And of course, everyone says yes. Like yeah. I don't know. I and when I was inviting the the people from work to do this uh, this work campaign, the same experience. I, I was nervous to ask them. And uh, so I'm pretty high up in my company. They're pretty low down in the company, and I was nervous to ask them. Would you like to come play with me? And again. Uh, same experience. No one has ever told me no. I don't want to play in your D and D game. It's it's always the exact opposite. Yes, yeah, I'd love to give it a it's, try. It's interesting. I've had a pretty similar experience, especially now, just with you know five E sort of being part of the the cultural zeitgeist at this point. But yeah, it, the people that have said no have always been because of scheduling things, and it's, it's often followed up with like, oh, but I really want to. Yeah, I don't know what it is, but yeah, there is that that element of like, oh, this is weird to ask you about this, but you know, this really fun game that we're going to play. <laughs> you, know, you, can, you can come if you want to. So, hey, Tim, uh, before we dive into the uh, heart of the episode, I have a couple of, uh, of questions that have been scientifically formulated to tell us uh, <laughs> everything important about you and your GMing. Okay, so I've got uh, five questions here that I'm going to throw at you rapid fire and uh, just give us your honest uh, answer. And we don't need to belabor any of these. We'll just kind of go right through them. So, Question number one to help us get to know you, Tim. Uh, what is your, it's actually two questions. What's your favorite die and what's your least favorite die? Oh, yeah. Uh, D20 for sure is my favorite. I, I love it. Um, the the D4 rolls like crap, right? So <laughs> that that's an easy one. It just doesn't roll well. Yeah. I mean, I'd rather roll a D8 and divide by two. Right, yeah. So. <laughs> that makes us happy, I think, yeah. <laughs> It, the D four is the worst. Thank you. I feel very vindicated because I've had an argument with people recently. About There's this. one time I really did appreciate the D four, and that was playing in that early campaign. My my son did something really dumb, and there was this this cobalt uh, the cobalt inventor, and he hit my kid with a swarm of insects that exploded, and mm-hmm. he got a natural twenty, and and he had to get like a whole handful of these D fours, <laughs> and just like blah. You know, dropped all these D4s, and it took my kid's character down to one point away from instant death. And it was amazing. And it was because of all this, like, scatter field of, this minefield of D4s that took him down. I love it. That's the exception. Yeah. Okay, next question. Uh, And I think I'm safe asking you this because you have some experience going back a ways. But how do you personally pronounce the acronym for the phrase, to hit armor class zero? uh, Taco or taco? Uh, (laughs) So, um... I, I pronounce it taco, and then I correct myself and say thaco. Okay. See, I've always said thaco, and I was kind of shocked when I heard that lots of people say thaco, but I've never heard someone call it taco, so Yeah, that's it's, it's a new. soft H. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. Okay, next question. Uh, have you found your one true role-playing system, or are you, uh, are, are you not the type that commits to just one system for life? 
Okay, so I found the one that I'm, I, the one I'm ob, by far the most familiar with is it's perfect no. So, you know, there's definitely things I think that, that could be changed. So I don't know if I've seen one that's my system. So this is, this is what we have now, and this is what I'm using now. Yeah, that is, a, what a mature answer, yes. Okay, uh, I was all ready to, to, to bash some systems that we don't like here. But, oh, okay, uh, well, we can do that too. <laughs> <laughs> all right, next question, we have two questions left. What is your um, guilty pleasure book, movie, or series that's related to, I guess, role-playing or, or something like that? You know, we all have, like, Proust and Tolstoy on our bookshelves, but what do we really reach for when no one's looking? I am not that into fantasy, oh. but, right. the, but the role-playing game I play the most is Dungeons & Dragons. I am personally far more into sci-fi, but, but I think that this is... D&D is currently, in my, you know, the, the most developed role-playing game and by far the most widely known so it's the one i play um so my guilty pleasure is isaac asimov's robot stories oh mm. yes so i robot the the and all the short stories yeah great answer okay one last question then we'll get on with the show this is a question about what type of gm you are are you a big softy of a gm who only acts tough or do you act uh, friendly and kind to your players, but inside you have a heart of cold steel? Oh, I'm I'm definitely much more, I much more the first. But my goal is really to test my players. So hmm. really, what I'm looking for is how can I push them to grow, and sometimes that's by throwing them a difficult battle and removing one of their special abilities. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's about putting them into an awkward situation they have to find their way out of. But I, I do enjoy putting them in those difficult situations, and I do play up that I'm making it harder on them. But my goal is always for them to barely make it through. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's awesome. All right, well, thank you for putting up with my, uh, with my silly questions. I think I'm going to turn it over to Chris now, who has uh, teased us with some sort of... Uh, something he's going to spring on us here. Uh, so Chris, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, those are very good questions, Andy. Yeah, so we uh, we want to make another D6 table sort of live on air. That's been fun. We've done it past couple episodes. Um, so this week is, uh, the, in the United States, it's Thanksgiving. So it's American Thanksgiving this week. So I was thinking about, we should make a D6 table of like minor magical boons that you could get after eating a big feast. So these are like, yeah, little little like extra bonuses that your party could get after, you know, doing doing some sort of big feast with say all the townsfolk. Do you have something in mind you want to to do, to seed the table with here to help us out, Chris? Oh, um, no, well, um I, I just came up with the idea for the table. I was hoping that you all would have the Okay, the okay, solutions. that's not how it works. All right. No, but I, I'm thinking, you know, something like uh, you know, like this is boring, so we shouldn't put it on there, but like they all get like, you know, plus 1 to hit for the next hour. Something like that. I would immediately go with a, a small container that will, it's a consumable magic item yeah. that will keep one dessert in perfect condition <laughs> until it's opened. So that way you have your, you have your amazing meal, right? And you get to take your favorite dessert, an extra piece of it, and you can keep it in perfect condition. You know that, you know that day's going to come. You're going to get home from work. You're going to get home from, from the fields or from, from slaughtering a bunch of gabos, and you just want to relax and enjoy yourself and, and have an extra dessert. Yes, I love it. That's great. So magical Tupperware. <laughs> yep. yep. All right. Uh, how about, here's something, hopefully it's not too morbid, but what if uh, you have the ability 
to polymorph one time into uh, one of the types of creatures that you ate at the feast. And hope you ate like a cool boar or something and not just like a, a lot of turkey, but yeah. Well, yeah, and it, it's really great for people like me because I'm vegetarian, so I'm definitely like turning into an asparagus, right? Yeah. <laughs> and then I'm just there. That, wherever I turn into it, that's where I am for the next however until the spell wears off. Um, I'm thinking like in keeping with, with Thanksgiving, you know, sort of being like a lot of people have re- reduced it to sort of like turkey and football, right? Like maybe, maybe after that meal on that day, you can perform some sort of amazing athletic feat huh. after that meal. Mm-hmm. So you get like, I mean, you could call it like inspiration or something on, on like some sort of like jumping challenge or <laughs> throwing the ball real far, far challenge. Well, or if you want to keep more in Thanksgiving, another mm-hmm. one is, um, you know, so, okay, so I'm thinking something tied to giving thanks specifically, right? So, you know, for the next 24 hours or 48 hours or whatever, anytime you give a sincere thanks to someone, you get a, ten- you get a temporary bonus to, Ooh. you know, maybe one of your stats or even better to them, right? So Ooh. then it's truly giving away. Right, so if you <laughs> you're you're essentially giving away a bonus to someone else. Oh, that's nice. Like that. Yeah, yeah. So like, sort of like a bless, but you have to say a nice thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That it's so right. It, mechanically, it works just like that. I like the next that. twenty-four hours, every time you sincerely give someone a compliment or a thanks, they get bless. <laughs> right, what about just in the spirit of you know, at least in normal circumstances, at Thanksgiving you'd be gathering with a lot of people you care about. What if you get some sort of a some sort of bonus to any action taken, like in defense of any person who is present with you at Ooh. the feast? So I think that leaves us with one spot on the table left, right? Yeah. Do you want some kind of defense against that obnoxious uncle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like if you can if you can make it through the meal without um, saying something insulting, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, what would you get for being so virtuous? Like, probably whatever your, your god is um, looks upon you favorably <laughs> the next time mm. you go to the, your temple. Maybe some sort of boost to, you know, diplomacy or something mm-hmm. if you demonstrated the ability to, you know, smooth over the political argument that your in-laws <laughs> were having or something. Yes. Yeah, I like it. Okay. So I don't know if that's what you're looking for, but that's no. This got. is this is fantastic, right? Yeah. So I mean, I think the hope with this, right, is just to get the juices flowing. I don't. I, I can't imagine anyone's going to use this, but maybe at your Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner on Thursday, you can decide to roll on this table and pretend. <laughs> if you do, please let us know. We want to know how. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a bonkers thing to do, but uh, yeah. So the the D six table for boons that can happen after your Thanksgiving meal. I like this kind of the, the magical Tupperware idea. Uh, you can maybe polymorph into something that you ate at the meal. Uh, inspiration for some sort of athletic task. Uh, bless, but only after you say something nice. <laughs> yeah, if you manage to diffuse a political situation at the table, um, you get a like a boost to your diplomacy. Yeah. Um, Advantage on all charisma-based roles. Yeah, yeah all charisma-based roles. Something like uh, that. Yeah. yeah, and then I can't read my handwriting for that last Oh, there was one, one uh, you could come to the defense, basically, of uh, some sort of oh. boost when taking action in defense of anyone who's at there. Yes, yeah, in defense of anyone who else was at, at there. You can get, uh, like, yeah, a bonus to that. Yeah, I like that. That's a fun table. 
All right. Well, thank you for putting up with my ridiculousness. But yeah, so let's let's dive <laughs> into good. sort of the 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 meat of the episode, as it were, um, or the asparagus. Uh, the so Tim uh, on on this podcast, we have this table of topics that we like to roll on whenever we have guests on. So this just gives us something to sort of to talk about, um, like directs the conversation a little bit. So you should have in front of you, and if not, we can send you a link to it. The yeah, you have a D10, which is great, and then we also have a table of topics that you're going to be rolling on. Um, so Andy will be Andy will read off what you what you've actually managed to get there. So whenever you're ready, roll your D10. One. Oh, one. Oh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. This is the one topic on our table of topics that was added by a guest all the way back in episode 32. So the topic of our discussion today, guys, will be how do you handle inventory management and encumbrance in your games? I've been waiting for this to come up for a really long time. It's been on the table. It just hasn't gotten rolled. And it's uh, I've just been waiting for this one to come around. So it'll be good to discuss this. Hey, uh, before we do, though, uh, hey, was the D10 you rolled? Is there any good stories behind that D10? Was it like your favorite D10 or your first one? So this year, I was supposed to officiate two weddings. And (laughs) um, both of which got delayed. and, um, And one of them... I ended up not doing because we had travel restrictions in place and they didn't want to wait any longer. So they ended up getting a justice of the peace and, and whatever. So this was my gift for officiating the wedding. I didn't oh. even run. Oh my <laughs> oh. So, so they sent me a really nice set of, of metal die and, a, oh. and another dice tray. Um, that's great. So it was a uh, really kind, uh, really kind of them. So oh, I, I love them. It's, it's my favorite die. Yeah, well, hopefully you can celebrate once this is all all over, calmer, yeah. too, with them in person. Yeah, and then the other wedding I just did a couple weeks ago, they gave me a Star Trek com badge for my wedding gift. So, like, <laughs> nice. both of them really, they know me. So yeah. It was wonderful. <laughs> That's fantastic. That is, I did not expect a story that good when I asked about yeah. to die, but uh, that was great. Uh, so, yeah, so inventory management and encumbrance. So, first I got asked, did you guys, like, glaze over when I... Uh, read that do you guys <laughs> make inventory management a part of your games like uh chris why don't we start with you and you talk about how you've used inventory and stuff in your games yeah um i've used it poorly uh, so the 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 main like long running campaign that I, I finished up this this past year um i decided not to just just like sort of let them do whatever they wanted with their inventory and didn't really enforce encumbrance at all, which seemed like such a great idea at the time. It's like, okay, I'm just going to skip up this whole morass of annoying problems. Um, instead, what ended up happening was they just sort of collected everything they possibly could, right? It was the video game problem of, like, you couldn't physically hold all those things, but yet you have 50 broken swords <laughs> in your backpack, that sort of thing. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually pretty interested in this one because I, I need some tips because I feel like there's a way to handle it in between we're tracking everything down to the pound and let's not, you know, think about it at, at all. So, Tim, let's get your quick take on this. How has inventory management come up, if it does, in your games? Yeah, yeah. So uh, when I play, um, you know, D&D specifically, my, my goal is really to play Dungeons & Dragons and not Dungeons & Logistics. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's <laughs> not the game I'm usually set up to play. It, it, it is one that I kind of glaze over. What I do say to my players is that, okay, um, you're going out, you have kind of your base of operations, and, and usually they do set up some kind of way some kind of place that they're operating out of for the, for the most part. And if they don't, then I will start pointing them to the question of like, okay, so where are you going to store this stuff? 
Mm, the okay. great, you know, whether you're storing it at the inn or whatever. I do at some point, when they're going out on an adventuring day, I will ask, what'd you bring with you? And all of them have kind of a standard set of gear that they always want on them, right? And then everything else is bonus. So what I do is I say, okay, unless you tell me otherwise, this is what I assume you have on you. And as long as it's reasonable, you know, I don't, I don't sit there and track the encumbrance pounds or whatever. As long as it's reasonable, I'm good. If there, if there is a case where, where they're, they're getting an item that is particularly large, right? So let's say they do come across a dragon's horde. Then I say, okay, well, let's think, how are you going to get this back? How are you going to make, and because, you know, that, that was part of AD&D back in the day, right? Like, how do I get all this stuff back to where I, where I'm coming from? And Mm -hmm. that's a, that's a journey and that's a dangerous journey a lot of the time. Right. Um, But, you know, 5e and stuff, it's not a big, not a big part of it anymore. uh, At least most of what I've seen, I will, you know, say, okay, well, let's think about how much can you reasonably carry between your whole party to get it back? And then how many trips are you going to make? And, maybe I can make that interesting. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Uh, but the one part I do track on inventory is um, what's in your hands. Okay. Okay. Right? Because um, you told... Wait, wait, wait. You told me. You told me you just attacked <laughs> with your greatsword. So if you're pulling out your crossbow, what are you just dropping what you got? Those are your options. You can do it, but you got to drop what you got. You know? Yeah. And if you want to get it later, you got to bend over and pick it up uh, because that does affect your action economy. Right? Mm-hmm. So... Have you had anything where you, like with the Dragon Horde example, have you had any neat story moments that have come out of out of that, that style? Well, he's probably going to listen to it, but okay. they, forgot so you, you, ab- yeah. they forgot about the Horde, right? <laughs> so they took a large chunk of it with them, and they've been kind of riding on that for a while, knowing that they know where it is, and they can go back and get the rest. Oh, it's not there. But they've, they've never gone back. Oh, it's so, not there. <laughs> I mean, you know that, and I know that. And he'll know that once he listens to this. But. <laughs> yeah. So you guys, what? So I, I guess I'll answer my question real quick. I, I fall into a somewhat similar thing. I, like I'm mostly hand wave. Uh, generally speaking, I mostly hand wave inventory stuff unless an inventory item would pose an interesting choice or challenge for the players to figure out. You know, like how do you haul the horde back home, or how do you carry the, you know, the frost giant's huge club, you know, or something like that. Especially from you, Chris. Like, so what is lost if you just completely hand wave away all inventory tracking and management? Like, what you sounded something that like that wasn't fun. Um, so what was lost? What was bad about that, Chris? <laughs> if anything. Yeah. Um, so, if, Tim, do you play video games at all? Have you played Diablo? Any of the Diablo games? I have not had much time for video games. Yeah, that's all right. Yeah, it's totally fine. But um, yeah, so I will keep the video game references to a minimum but in in diablo right like you have a very limited inventory and it's actually like everything sort of takes up slots in it too so you spend some time actually arranging your stuff within your backpack to make sure everything can fit sort of like a the worst version of tetris imaginable (laughs) um so like that that kind of inventory management like like i I never want to go down that road like that's that's uninteresting to me i think what i lost like what i've lost and not doing much with it is you end up with this situation where it's like players are like, well, I mean, since we can, we should take everything. So then there was a lot of conversations about like, well, is that is that sword better? Or, you know, is that sword better or worse? You know, 
those sorts of things. It's like, well, no, the answer is like the goblins do not have better swords than you. But we just we end up having to have this conversation quite a bit, right? Mm-hmm. Of like, well, sure you can take that, but no, you're not going to get a lot of money for for it. So it's really not worth your time. So let's just keep going. Whereas if they they knew that there was some sort of inventory cap, it would be a different conversation, right? Because then they wouldn't be like you know rifling through the goblins' pockets to get mm-hmm. you know get anything that they can they can out of it. Yeah, thinking of, I thought about video games too, just because there are video games where there's no limit to your inventory, and that kind of incentivizes picking up everything you can, but then kind of forgetting about it. Like the, mm-hmm. the fact that there's no, it's all just in this giant, um, you know, list of loot you have that might be dozens or hundreds of items. I find that it actually works against like thinking about meaningfully what you have even and. Um, and then there's other games that are really tight with, like, you you have space for four things, you know. So picking up a new weapon or new item is, like, a really tough choice. Yeah, I think I think you, you bring up a really good point in that um, my players in in both of the two campaigns I, that have been running for a while, um, they forget about the stuff they have, right? And I think that when you do run a tighter inventory, it does create these, these continual review by the players of what I'm going to keep and what, you know, what am I going to get rid of? And even if you do have this idea of like, oh, we have somewhere we're going to store it, then you've, okay, so I store it. So it's on, it's on my character sheet somewhere, you know, three pages ago that I've totally forgotten about. And now I never use it. You know, another thing that I've recently seen um, someone suggesting was that for, that you make more of your items consumable. Hmm. Um, And like, oh, okay. So you went and you bought this potion. By the way, it's got a shelf life, or mm. you know, you uh, this this item that you can you, you have to attune to it, in, or if you don't attune to it, maybe it has some minor or some minor detrimental effect or something like that. Something to enforce that they either use it or lose it. Yeah, it's good. I mean, like, because I mean, if you went backpacking, for example, right? Like, you'd be very aware of everything in your backpack. Right, like I know, like you mentioned, you don't want to play dungeons yeah. and logistics, and I'm totally with you on that. Like, it's just not. Not interesting, but like there is something that's also kind of fun about the backpacking challenge of like, okay, like I got to get my weight down, you know, I have this for this, this purpose, we have enough water to get through, you know, two days before to get more water, you know, those sorts of things are pretty fun to think about. I think just for like an adventuring party too, like, yeah, thinking about like who's going to carry stuff and, and all that. Yeah, you bring up a really good point, And that's when I'm running a game, it's really about how can I challenge my players, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe we can turn the discussion a little bit to like, okay, let's say I'm running a game. What are interesting ways that I can now tweak or create a new adventure where inventory is going to play a key moment or a key decision-making factor in them going in? And, you know, I, 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 generally, strat- I generally, generally build my encounters in two ways. Either one where I kind of choreograph what's about to come so that they can carefully think about what they're going to do going in. And the other where they're just thrust in and they're just, they have to deal with it on the spot of what, whatever they have. So I guess I would be interested in what, what your thoughts on, you know, how would you go about crafting an encounter in whatever system such that inventory played a key role and, and how they decided what to take with them really, really mattered. There's at least two kinds of problems you can have if you don't have your image, if you have not thought through your inventory very well, you can have like not enough of what you want, like healing potions or arrows or food or something like that. And then there's another kind of challenge where 
Uh, you can present players with something like a 10-foot wide chasm that if they don't have the item at all, they just can't cross it. Or or they have to come up with a really outside-the-box way to get around the challenge. And that can be, you know, I think that can be... I love those times when players are faced with a challenge and they explicitly don't have the equipment that they need to beat it, so they have to come up with mm -hmm. something on the fly. But it can be... You can see how that would be a little bit not cool if the GM is like is targeting a player, you know, lapses in inventory management just to make right. encounters worse. I don't know if that's exactly what you're asking, but no, no, no. I, I just I try I I try to again always try to how do I challenge them in, in new and interesting ways? And you know, when it comes to inventory, I I think back to the backpacking example, right? Do I do I create an encounter where Okay, they need to get across this this place, and you know this bridge looks like it's going to give out. And in that case, I can I can very clearly indicate that it looks like it may not be able to hold that much weight. How do you unburden yourself, right? Mm. How do you choose what you take and what you don't? Mm. And then they can sit there, and the, as a team, they can figure out because there's no there's no time limit. You could just you could just say, look, this is very clear you, you roll a perception oh it doesn't matter what they got because they yeah. they, they all perceive yeah. oh i got a five no worries it's yeah. so frayed you can easily tell you know oh that that's a, a totally separate topic about rolls right do you ever yeah. make them roll for something where they're always going to be successful or always fail a separate topic yeah i don't want to reveal my secrets but of course <laughs> no 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 don't, don't. <laughs> or just lie right um there you go so um you know, so you could you can create a scenario like that, right? And then and then they have it as a team. And I, I wouldn't be targeting anyone, but I would be thinking, okay, how does that impact what's on the other side when mm -hmm. they get there? Like, yeah. What what did they leave behind? And is there any way that I can make it interesting so that they do have to push themselves outside of their comfort zone? Oh, I can't just do the same thing I always do. Maybe I have to have this person do that or hopefully work as a team to come up with a solution. So one of the problems I have with managing encumbrance, and this started way back, you know, I was playing back in the 80s, and at the time I was playing games like Rollmaster that, that went really all in on encumbrance. So you were tracking every, every pound. And one of the problems is that it just felt like a drag, like if, if you'll excuse the pun, in that it was all negative. You know, like the more cool stuff you had, the bigger the penalty on all your fun was going to be. And while that's realistic, you know, and that's a realistic, uh, that's a reasonable sort of penalty to pay for having like a really amazing suit of uh, chain mail, that it be really heavy. But there's something just kind of not fun about like, well, if you want to have that thing and you want to have all these other cool things, we're just going to have to penalize how much, how cool you're going to be for the next adventure. <laughs> and I realize I'm overstating that a little bit. I always struggle to find a positive, like, fun twist to put on, let's track all your inventory and all your weight. I don't know, how do you guys approach that? Like, is that the case with you guys? And does that just not bother you the way it sort of annoys me? I think the only time that I've tried to use use that style of, like, inventory management, you know, against the players or, you know, like, story-wise, right, is, like, if someone's wearing chainmail, right, they're going to be louder. Like, that, mm. that sort of stuff. So it's more... It's more like flavor to the universe rather than it being, oh, you have a weight limit and we went over the weight limit because we measured the chain mail and all that, right? So it's a lot more like, oh, like you're a character who has chain mail. So like that's part of your 
personality almost, which I mean, your clothes aren't your personality, but like that's like mm. your personality, like who you are, your chainmail, you have a great sword, like that's sort of like your basic setup. So even if I was going to do inventory management or encumbrance, everything would be sort of beyond that, right? If that makes any any amount of sense, it's like you sort of have your basic equipment. It's like it's like the trap at your trappings. Like yes. it doesn't make you less good at being what at doing what you do, but it mm-hmm. will have consequences, like creative consequences in the yeah. world. That is that what you're getting at? Yeah, and I think that's more. I think that's more the intent, kind of the spirit behind it. Yeah, it's not the backpacking down to every ounce sort of thing. It's more the like, yeah, if you're going to be a chainmail, great sword wielding, you know, barbarian, like you're going to be noisier, right? So like we should, you know, you're not going to be able to run as fast as the person not wearing anything, um, you know. So that that should be part of the the story. If 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 part of your concern is that it's 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 a downer, right? So I play games so that we all have fun. Right, and if I if there's a mechanic in here that's just making me not enjoy myself or my players not enjoy themselves, which is the bigger problem, then how can I how can I twist that? And if we get back to your earlier question about like what's the perfect system or what's your what's the system for life, I would say, well, maybe we maybe that's a place to tackle it and say, okay, I can have a choice, right? I can I can do encumbrance or I can not. I can play my character that they pack really light and then you know what they should get a bonus for that Mm -hmm. or or maybe not a bonus but a sliding scale of like oh you can choose that i'm gonna carry every stinking thing i own okay (laughs) all right so now maybe maybe your base speed is slower right or i'm a monk i'm not gonna carry anything on me i got my staff and do i need anything else maybe a water sack i don't know I'll, i'll steal it from someone i don't know whatever um in in Maybe a monk's terrible idea because they've got like a bajillion feet of movement, anyways. But <laughs> um, but maybe it becomes a sliding scale. And if I had a player that came to me and said, you know, this person, they, my character, they pack really light. They they don't they don't carry anything beyond what is the bare minimum. I would definitely have a conversation to be like, well, you know what? Maybe the standard set of stats don't work for you then, because mm-hmm. you should. And can I turn this inventory thing into a positive in any way? Yeah. And that might be one way that I could approach it. I also I was struck by something you said, Tim, earlier when you were describing sort of that logistics of uh, how are you going to get this horde home? Where are you going to put it? Uh, mm-hmm. There is a whole set of like of store of potential stories you can tell if you have put the work into uh, making inventory and possessions something that the whole game table pays attention to. You know, because if you're trying to get home with a dragon's horde i mean first of all you have to figure out how to carry it you have to not get robbed uh by (laughs) uh by bandits every time you pass through town and people notice you've got these bulging sacks of coins you know on your horses you've got to uh you know if you want to go all in there's a whole set of stories you know it's like well who what are you going to do with this cash you can't with all this this pile of gold, you can't like absolutely trans. Yeah. You can't transfer this into cash in like a medieval peasant village. What do you you know? And how are you going to keep it safe? Where is it when you guys are off adventuring? You know, no, that's. I think that's great. I think I think. And again, if it were me, one of the things I would do is let's do the immediate. Right? Okay, you're here. You've got the hoard. How much are you taken? How are you getting it back? You've got to go now. And then I've got that first load back. The second load is a. I have I have a plenty of time to plan out and set the perfect environmental conditions because maybe the first time it's middle of the day. Do I wait until nighttime where I can sleep around, mm. 
or but 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 so I can create the same the same basic problem in two different scenarios. One is you've got to go now because you might get caught, mm-hmm. and the second is okay, you got the first load. How can I plan this out? And as they're planning it out, I'm already turning yeah. in my mind. Yeah. How can we make this fun? <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's interesting that you said it. it's like, yeah, because I mean, I think when you're presenting challenges to your players, right, there it, there are, are these different modes of challenges, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're never going to play D&D by the book, all the rules all the time in the same way, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so you are going to do that. Like that first one is just like grab everything you can and like, let's get out of here. And then the second time they can come back, like you can just tell them very upfront, like we're going to take some time. You have to plan this out, right? And I think in, in that that mode, it might make more sense to go a little bit harder on the encumbrance rules. At that point, it's like, yeah, and the same thing we were talking about with like the, you know, the rope bridge that's about to collapse as well. There's less of a time limit. You can you can make the challenge about that, um, mm-hmm. you know, like how to do it. And I think you could even do, you could run a dungeon in that in that way as well, where you present them all the problems that they're going to encounter in there, and then it's up to them to sort of pre-plan, you know, to see if they can come up with the the, the kind of the optimized inventory to go take that on. And I think that can be fun for players too. To be able yeah, to like say like, oh, like we we got it. Like we found out all the problems ahead of time. We brought the right stuff, and you know we were able to, <laughs> you know. And the players they do they do like that um, from mm-hmm. time to time because one of the problems a lot of players have is they don't want to use up their good stuff mm-hmm. because they don't know if they're going to need it. Yeah. <laughs> right. And I think that's great. I think it's great to keep the tension in the air where they have to make those decisions on the play. Uh, do I use it? Do I burn it? Do I? You know, use it up now, or do I save it um, and do something lesser, which probably won't work as well? Um, and and I think that's good to have that kind of tension. But I also think it's good from time to time to run. You know, the we my my mom squad they did a, an arena battle where I told them straight up, look, you have three separate battles you have to do. They will continue to get harder as you go. <laughs> and well, the neat thing is because you get to choreograph it, and they can say, all right, I know what I want to spend on number one, number two, number three, right? And I can plan it out, and they like that because they know I saved it up, and now I get to go all in, right? And I think that if you create a similar type challenge of, hey, I know where, you know, if it's about inventory, I know where these items are because I stole the map from whomever, and I know what I need to do to get there and where my big bads, I think, are going to be, then I can, my players get a chance to really use all their stuff because mm-hmm. they don't have that worry quite so much about do I have to hold it on and I think giving them that from time to time not all the time but from time to time is really enjoyable for them right because it, it removes that one level of uncertainty and lets them play in a slightly different mode I'm really intrigued by the um, the mention of keeping things of having things be kind of consumable or decayable yeah, that, that's a good way to create an incentive to not just sit on your awesome potions you found. But you know, if they only last a week, then you might as well use them. And I, like, do you do you follow through with that in your games, Tim? Uh, you know, does does armor decay? Does it need repairing? Do does food that, that all the food you've packed has just went bad? You know, how much do you double down on that? I I have not. So the, I have not tried this potion thing. Um, that's something I just recently saw uh, on my Twitter feed. And um, I'm intrigued by it. I think that I don't have the mental capacity to keep three campaigns in my head with everyone's inventory. <laughs> yeah. If they're not doing a good job of keeping track, 
and I don't happen to like look through their because we we do online inventories, uh, online character sheets for all of mine um, because that's the only way I can keep it straight. Um, unless I happen to like click through them, I don't I don't know off the top yeah. of my head. Like you know, it's it's too much, yeah, too much to keep in my head at once. So I I think so. we're coming in on our uh, time limit here, but I have. At, uh, I have one quick question for you guys, and then if you guys have some final questions, uh, what do you guys do in the moment when a player says, "Oh, did I bring my fill in the blank?" Or I reach mm-hmm. into my backpack and I pull out my whatever fill in the object that they need in the moment, and you're they did not write down you know you know it's not written on their character sheet. It's maybe somewhat plausible that they had it. What do you do? Do you say yes? Do you roll some dice? I give them the like the dad look and I say, <laughs> would your character have done that? <laughs> and usually that's enough for them to either decide yes, you know, like, you know, I'm going to lie to you and say that they will or, you know, or I'm going to role play this how, how it actually would have happened. Because um, I think I think players can rise to the challenge on that. Yeah. So. How about you, Tim? Yeah. Um, so I, I do try to establish early on, um, you know, what's your standard set of things? And it's something outside of that then I, I quickly ask myself, is it reasonable that you would have it? Sometimes I say no, <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. So it, it's, and, and it really, um, I, I, I strive to create a campaign where it's an immersive environment and that the characters really feel that, like, that the city is alive. And with that comes good and bad. And if they tell me something that is not reasonable that a person would have taken with them for that situation then I say, it doesn't seem to me that you would. And I don't think yet I've had someone, okay, well, kids are kids, but in the <laughs> adult group, anytime I've said this, they've said, okay, you're right. You know, so it's, yeah. <laughs> it, it makes sense that I would. What about you? Uh, yeah. If I can, if, if I don't know, I'll usually call for like an intelligence or a wisdom check to sort of okay. reflect. Did you have the foresight to pack this mm-hmm. this morning when you were uh, gathering together? Uh, I lie. I do like, if there's a luck, uh, characteristic, like I said, I call the Cthulhu. Call of Cthulhu's got one. I like. Uh, I, th- I think it's fun to just let Lady Luck decide. If if that doesn't seem appropriate, I'll just, of course, uh, just gauge if it seems reasonable or not. But I'm, I mean, I'm pretty generous, Jim, so I usually say yeah. sure, whatever. You you just grab a fistful of D fours, you stare them in the eye, <laughs> right, yeah. them. So you tell me. <laughs> yeah. Or, or you just start rolling your d20 and um, look at it and go, oh, are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can keep going. You can have that in your backpack, but there will be a cotton sequence. And then make a note in your little GM notebook. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, it's actually a mimic. Okay, got it. Yeah. All right. <laughs> All right, yeah, well, we should wrap up. Um, yeah, we've been going for a little bit. But, yeah, Tim, thank you so much. This was super fun. I'm, I'm really glad that you got to come on. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you us. for the invitation. I, I really appreciate it. Yeah, great yeah, to meet yeah. you, Tim. We're really glad you uh, you came on. Thank you. Yeah, we'll have to have you back on sometime. But um, yeah, I'm really excited to hear just how the the lunchtime game goes too. Yeah, so keep sending me updates on that as well. And um, yeah, good luck with the mom squad. That sounds like a super fun group too. Yeah. As well as the 13-year-olds, although maybe a little bit less. So Yeah, we don't have time to go into it now, but I really want to learn more about like how you run games for kids because that's a subject near and dear to my heart too. But um, another time perhaps. Um, Lots of rolls. Lots of rolls. Roll for everything. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thank you, Tim. Um, I've been Chris Salzman. I've been Andy Rao. And I'm Tim Salzer. Your players are having fun. You're a great GM. <laughs>